Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Man, y'all are awesome being here on Labor Day, and it's supposed to rain. Y'all are, y'all are heroes. If you're watching online, we love you too. Um, <laughs> however, uh, whatever, however you're watching today, um, we're, we're glad you're here. Luke 6, verse 10 says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive in. Jesus, I do thank you that you are um, the miracle worker, and God, that uh, you've always been someone who can take very little and make it a lot. God, sometimes uh, it's hard for us to sit and wait for you to do that. So I pray that this morning, Lord, that you would speak very clearly to those of us who are waiting on something. God, that you would, uh, that your Holy Spirit would give us instructions, give us peace as we wait. God, teach us this morning. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to teach your word. It humbles me every time. God, I pray that uh, I would be faithful with it, and Holy Spirit, that you would speak to the hearts of these people you love so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever gotten, like, legitimately mad at technology? Like, the other night, I went to bed. Thought I put my phone on the charger, woke up to 10% battery. And, you know, I'm not one of those who always has to literally have my phone, like, right beside me. But doesn't it just make you a little anxious throughout the day when you didn't charge your phone? Like, what if somebody needs me and it dies? Like, I'm not necessarily always looking for the charger at that point, but I'm a little nervous about the whole battery issue. Or how many of you have ever noticed that you left your flashlight on and it's been in your pocket? And you, go, you think back to when was the last time I used this thing and you figure out that you've been walking around like a moron for the last hour with your flashlight in your back pocket and nobody told you? <laughs> or at, what, what about the times where you've been receiving email on your phone for the last year and a half? You didn't change any settings. You didn't change any password, but you hadn't gotten mail for like the last two weeks. You know what I'm talking about? It'll make you mad. Some of y'all don't check your email anyway, so you wouldn't know. Trust me, we send the planning center invites. That was good. They just came to me. They just came to me. That was good. But you know what frustrates me the most about technology? The skip ad button on YouTube. Can I get a witness? When, when, when when, When I'm watching something on YouTube and that little skip ad button comes up, Am I the only one who hovers my finger over the button and counts it down in my head? Do y'all do that too? So it's like five, four, three, two. It's almost like I play a game, how close I can get to hitting that button at one. And so sometimes I hit it early and it doesn't let me. And what's, what's even worse is when you have to watch the whole thing and then another one rolls around and then you can skip that one. Doesn't that, doesn't that aggravate you? I, 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 now I know that I talk a lot about uh, being, being impatient, but I really think that a lot of us don't enjoy, don't enjoy waiting. 
I may be more impatient than some people, but I think for, for all of us, waiting can be, can be frustrating because it's almost like when you're in a waiting time, you just want it to end because you can't do anything about it. I can't do anything to make those five seconds go by faster so that I can watch the video I wanted to watch when I clicked on the thing. I can't do anything about it. And so we, we don't like to wait. We just want the end result. We just, we just want it to finish. We just want it to, the resolution. We want God to do something now. But if we're honest, as much as I hate to admit it, a lot of life is spent waiting. As a matter of fact, some of you right now, you're waiting on something. And I'm not talking about you're waiting on an ad to be over or you're waiting for your pot roast to cook. But you're waiting, on, you're waiting on something. You're waiting on God to do something. You're waiting on someone to do something. You're waiting to feel better. You're waiting for a resolution. You're waiting for a relationship to be restored. You're waiting for God to speak. You're waiting for some clarity you're waiting on a new job, you're waiting to hear back from the job that you applied for. A lot of us today are waiting, and the reason why I know that is because a lot of our lives are spent just waiting. What are you waiting on God for today? If you're waiting, I want you to know that you're in, you're in good company because even Jesus himself had to wait. In fact, Luke 3, 23 says this. It says, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So even Jesus has to wait 30 years. So now remember, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. And in those 30 years, he couldn't really reveal who he was because the Bible says that his time had not yet come. And so can you imagine as Jesus waits for his ministry to begin? Can't you, can't you imagine like when he's in elementary school and all of his kids are bringing their toys to school. And or a, or a friend shows him like this skateboarding trick that he, that he thinks is really cool. And Jesus, he can't say it, but he wants to say, well, that's pretty cool, but I can walk on water. <laughs> or how about, how about as a teenager? Can you just imagine the amount of prom dates you would get if you could t have the line, I'm the savior of the world? I'm just saying. Or how about like early 20s, Jesus, bachelor Jesus, going shopping, going grocery shopping. You know how a bachelor goes grocery shopping? There's like two things on the list. And one of them is bread, and he sees a rock like outside the store. He's like, eh, that'll work. Can't you just, can't you just imagine? And to top it all off, he has to wait 30 years before he can really get started doing the thing that he was put on the earth for to make it even harder Jesus knows that in just three years, he is going to have to die at the hands of man. And so he really only has three years to get, to get this thing going. But timing is everything to God. And so even Jesus has to wait. And isn't that usually how it works? Isn't there usually a wait before God makes a way? Do you ever notice that in your life? There's usually a problem. There's something you face. And then there's a wait before God actually makes a way. There's, there's like this, there's like this buildup. There's something that he has to do. There's some people that he has to position. There's some things that he has to change before he can actually make the, make, make the way. And so we wait moment by moment, day by day. For some of you, it's year 
by year and you're waiting. You know, I can, I can really remember in elementary school sitting in the hallway. And do y'all remember the clocks that they had in schools? And they kind of had an arm on them that got like a bracket that attached to the wall. So they kind of stuck out over the hallway. Do y'all remember that? Maybe I made this up, but I, it's a vivid memory to me. But it's like they didn't, have a, they didn't have a second hand on it. So I can remember sitting in the hall looking at this clock like before school started and b- being the, the weird guy that I was even, even then. I would try to see if I, could get, if I could see the hand, the minute hand actually move. Have you ever done that? And so even though it's moving really, really slow, I knew it had to be moving. And so I would stare at that clock, try not to blink. And, and I never could do it. But if... I went on, went to school, came back by that same clock at lunch. It had moved. Isn't that the way life feels sometimes? Like sometimes it feels like it's really, really moving fast. But when you're in that waiting place and you're trying to watch something happen, doesn't it feel like it's just creeping along? And that's where most of us have our real struggles. It's in that space where it seems like whatever it is that we want to happen isn't happening and we don't even see any movement. That's where you struggle in your relationships with other people. That's where you struggle in your relationship with, with God. Let's be honest. That's where you begin to, to doubt your faith sometimes. That's where you even struggle with, within yourself because am I, I may be the only one, but what happens when I'm waiting on God is I start overthinking everything. So I start thinking, maybe God's doing this, maybe this happened, maybe I got stopped at this red light because God's doing it. And everything, I'm trying to draw a conclusion out of everything. Meanwhile, there's absolutely nothing that I can do while I'm waiting. I have no control. There's nothing I can do. I just have to wait. Today, I, I hope that I can help us see the value in waiting for God to move. I want to talk, and this is my title, Sit Down and Hold On. Sit Down and hold on. Look at the person beside you and say, sit down. Look at the person and say, I'm, I am sitting already. And hold on. If you're watching online, type it in the chat. Sit down and hold on. We're going to be in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And this story that we're about to talk about is a really common story. In fact, this story is in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle of Jesus that's in all four Gospels except for the resurrection. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell this story that we're about to dive in today. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Even if you haven't been in church very much, you probably know this story, but I want want us to take a, a different look on it. I want us to see a new look, a new take on this story. John 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. So the Jewish Passover feast was this thing that they celebrate, the Jewish people celebrated every year where from Exodus 12, uh, God saved the Israelite people when he destroyed the Egyptian people. So it was something that they celebrated every year to commemorate that event from Exodus 12. So it would have been, it would have been springtime and Jesus is traveling and people are following along. People are following Jesus. Now, not all of these people who would have been following Jesus that day 
would have been Jesus' followers, but they're still following. Some are following because they've seen what Jesus has done. It's, it says they knew about what he had done. They had seen what he had done, and so they were just being nosy. They were just there for the show. Some of these people that are following him believed in him or wanted to believe in him, but nevertheless, they're following Jesus, whether it's out of allegiance to him or it's just out of interest, they're still following Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here today? Why are you watching today? Is it because you know somebody and you've seen what God's done for them and so you're here today almost out of curiosity wondering if he can do it for you too? Why, why are you here today? Are you here because you're hurting and you've tried everything else and so now you've decided that, that maybe I'll give this Jesus thing, I'll give this church thing a try? Are, are you here because you have literally felt the power of God in your life? Why, the, no matter why you're here this morning, I want you to know that we're glad you're here and, you're here and that Jesus is glad you're here. That the great thing about Jesus and the thing that I love about this church is that you can belong before you believe. In other words, you can belong here before you believe everything we believe. That's the way Jesus is. These people are following him. They don't all believe him, but Jesus is welcoming them. And he's saying, you can belong. You can hang out with me before you believe everything that I believe. He's still the same today. So if you're here today and you don't believe this, all of this stuff, it's totally cool. Just hang out because you belong here. So Jesus has these people following him. And he takes notice, he takes notice that they're following him, which I could preach a bunch of sermons right there. I could talk about how uh, Jesus always takes notice of people. I could talk about how Jesus takes notice of those that nobody else takes notice of. I could talk about how if we're a Jesus follower, we need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus and we need to follow him wherever he goes. But I'm not going to do any of that. (laughs) Verse 5, we would be here till like 4 o'clock. It says, when Jesus looked up, and saw a great crowd of people coming toward him. He said to Philip, where should we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So at this point in the story, nobody, none of the crowd, none of the disciples know what's about to happen except for Jesus. I know that most of you know this story. Try to get that out of your head. None of these people that were there that day have any clue what's about to happen. All they know is that they're hungry, there's a lot of people gathered around, and they are waiting on Jesus to do something. So everybody in that crowd that day, the disciples including, are waiting on something. Some people are waiting on food because their hunger is turned into hangry. How many, how many hangry people in the crowd? Not right now, I hope. I'll talk quickly. Some of these people are waiting to be fed. Some of them are waiting on Jesus just to look their direction because they've seen his, his healing miracles in the past and they're wanting him to touch them. Some of them are, are just there because they're nosy and they have nothing else to do. But everybody in the crowd that day is waiting on something. So Jesus turns to Philip and he asks him a question and the Bible says that he does it so that he can test Philip. He asks him, where can we get food for all these people? You know, sometimes when God has you in a place of waiting, he's preparing you. Sometimes we wait 
because God is doing something inside of us. The Bible says, Jesus says that he asked Philip this question, and the reason is is because he wants to test Philip. Sometimes God prepares you by testing you. Notice, notice I didn't say that he prepares you by tempting you or being a jerk to you. That's not who God is. But sometimes he prepares you by testing you. If you're in a season of waiting right now, could it be that God is testing you? I don't, I don't mean that he's testing you to try to see, okay, if I give him one more bad thing, like if the car breaks down now, or if the, the, the child gets sick again, are they going to lose it? No, God is much more gentle than that. He's not testing you to see if he can break you. He's not testing you to see if he, if, 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 if he can make your life miserable. He's testing you because he knows there's something in the next season that you need to get into this one. And so sometimes the way God works is that he will leave you where you are and he will prepare you for the place that he is going to take you. And he does it by testing. We see this in scripture. People being prepared and tested while they're waiting. Do you remember the story of David? The story of King David in the Old Testament. He's a shepherd boy who goes from being a shepherd boy to anointed and chosen as king. And the Bible says that he has to wait 15 years and go back and be a shepherd before he actually takes the throne. God is preparing him. He is testing him. He is doing something in him that he is going to need when he's, when he's the king. What about Abraham? Abraham of the Old Testament was promised, you are going to be the father of nations. He gives him one child, and what does he do? He tests him. He says, give me that child back. He's preparing him by testing him because if he's going to be the father of many nations, God knows that you're going to have to be able to trust me with the first one. What about the disciples? Even they, even they were tested and prepared. Do you remember the story in Matthew 16 where Jesus is seated with his disciples and he asked them, he says, hey, who do people say I am? And the disciples answer with some responses they've heard. They say, well, you're, you're Elijah, well, well, you're a prophet. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Who do you say I am? God will test you to prepare you because there's something you're going to need in the next place that you have to get where you are. If he takes you to where he's taken you and he does it now and he does it prematurely, you will not have the character, you will not have the faith, You will not have the ability to manage the finances, whatever it may be, when you get there. You've got to stay put here. And I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult to hear, but you've got to be here because you've got to get what you're going to need for there. Sometimes when we're waiting, God is preparing us. Jesus himself describes it like this in Luke 16, verse 10. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Some of you today are being tested, and my challenge to you is to hold on, to stay faithful, to stay true to him. Don't turn away from him. Don't try to figure it all out. Just keep following after him because he is doing something in you whether you feel it or not. This is a test, but it is not so that you can fail. It's so that you can get to where he's taken you. Sit down, 
hold on, it'll be worth it. It says, Jesus asked this to test Philip, but Jesus already knew what he was going to do. When you're in a season of waiting, it's not like God is trying to figure out how. It's a matter of when. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you are always in good hands. He always has a plan. And so maybe if you're waiting today, maybe the encouragement that you need is that you are waiting, but it's not because God is trying to figure out how. It's a matter of when, not how. Because you serve the creator of the universe, and he can do anything, and he is still strong. He is still mighty. He is still able to take down giants. He is still able to arrange your life. He is still with you. He was not abandoning you. He still loves you. It's not how. It's when. He has your back. The same God, that's, that story that we talked about earlier where it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Literally, if you remember the story, there was an army surrounding them, and then all of a sudden, God was surrounding the army. We have a God who still surrounds armies on our behalf. It's not that he's trying to figure it out or he's trying to get enough power to solve your situation. No, he is doing something behind the scenes, and it is worth the wait, sit down, hold on, and watch your God do something better than you could have ever imagined it. Come on, somebody. Because some of you need that. Some of you need to be reminded of that. Some of you need to get that for the first time, that it's okay because God's grip is still on your life. Even while you're waiting, even while you're stuck, even when, when they leave, even when you're confused, he is still all about his plan for you. So Jesus has a plan. These people are hungry. And then verse 7 says, Philip answered him. How do you, by the way, how do you, when Jesus asks you a question and you don't have a good answer, what are you supposed to do? Can't you just imagine poor Philip here? It's like when your boss asked if you turned in the timesheet, and you know you didn't even do the timesheet. So says, Philip answered, um, it would take more than a half year's wages, thinking, Jesus, you should know this, to buy enough bread for each one to have, to have a bite. How many of you, are, are, are Phillips in this situation. Like, you're, you're the one who counts everything. You have a spreadsheet for most things in your home. You, you have to fill in every box. It is killing you right now that there's a postcard in your seat and I haven't told you what to do with it. How many of you? And a lot of pastors when they preach this passage really really dog Philip here but I think we all have a little Philip in us like I don't think he's doing anything significantly wrong he's thinking about this from a realistic perspective and so he has counted the people or he has guesstimated the people he has thought about the food. He has thought about the average income. Maybe he's thinking about his income, and reality has sunk in, and what he has decided is there is no way we can feed all of these people. And some of you are waiting right now, and you have counted every part of what it's going to take to get out of your place of waiting, and it doesn't add up. 
You don't see how God is going to do it. You don't see how it's going to work out. You don't think it could ever happen. You don't see how the marriage is going to be restored. You don't see how the relationship is going to be put back together. You don't see how the finances are going to come together. You don't see how they will ever look at your resume. You do not see the solution, and you're right. You are just like Philip. You are right. But here is what Jesus is trying to get Philip to see. It's faith doesn't deny facts, but faith doesn't discount Jesus. I'll say that again because it was good and it's not in my notes. Faith (laughs) doesn't deny facts, but faith doesn't discount Jesus. So when Philip looks at all of these people, I'll say it again in just a second so y'all can clap again. So when faith looks... (laughs) So when Philip looks at all these people and he gets his calculator out and he begins to make assumptions, he is absolutely right. But what Jesus is about to show him, and I believe what God wants to show you this morning, is that faith doesn't deny facts, but it doesn't discount Jesus. Because some of us have been told if you have faith, then you never acknowledge what's real. It's not true. You can acknowledge what's real, but you would also need to acknowledge the God you serve. Sometimes when we're waiting, we begin to count the cost. We decide it doesn't work. Can I just remind you today that you have the God of angel armies on your side? Andrew has a little different perspective than Philip. I'm more of an Andrew kind of guy. Andrew, while Philip is getting out his spreadsheet, calculating his formulas, Andrew is apparently running around asking everybody for food. How awkward is that? Hey, (laughs) hey, I see your Yeti cooler there. Do you have a sandwich in there? Do you have anything we could use? Or if you're more my style, I see your Walmart cooler there. Is there anything in there? that we can use. And so Andrew's asking everybody around. Apparently, he has an awkward conversation with a little boy, convinces the little boy to give him his Lunchable. And then in in verse 8 says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. See, y'all don't believe me. Here's a boy with uh, five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? But now Jesus has something to work with thanks to the faithfulness of this little boy. And verse 10 says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Scholars estimate anywhere between 10 to 15,000 people. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. Sometimes you wait because God is preparing you Sometimes you wait because God is preparing your place. So this is the big moment in the story, right? Big moment in the story. All eyes are locked on Jesus. Everybody knows, all 15,000 people there that day, they know there is something going on. Remember, they had seen what Jesus had done. They know there's something going on. They're hungry. Stomachs are growling. 
people are agitated. The, the temperature in, uh, on the grass is probably pretty high. There's people waiting in the crowd. They're waiting to be healed. They're waiting to eat. They're waiting to see Jesus do something. They're waiting for comfort. They're waiting for something. There's hurting people all around waiting on Jesus to, to touch them. The disciples are standing over there except for Andrew and Philip apparently. And they're waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. And so Jesus speaks up and his only interaction with the crowd is sit down. This is only instruction. On top of that, Jesus doesn't tell the crowd how long they're going to be seated there for. It's just sit down, not go fishing, not go to Costco, not open your DoorDash app, but instead Jesus says sit down and some of you today You've been waiting on God to do something, and your instructions are just sit down. Because you've been trying. You've been counting the cost. You've been trying to add it all up. You've been running around doing all you can. You've been manipulating people. You've been talking to people that you should not be talking to. You've been making phone calls that you didn't feel good about making. You've been striving, you've been working, you've been trying to control, you've been worrying. And what you need to do and what you need to hear me say today is you need to sit down and leave it in the hands of God. I know it's not easy. I know you can't see his activity. But sometimes the best thing you can do is have a seat and say, God, I trust you. Do what you're going to do because I trust that you're going to take me where you want me to, want me to go. When you look through the Bible, you do see stories of people who are sitting down when God does something miraculous in their life. What about Lazarus? If you don't know the story, Lazarus was dead. He had no choice but to sit down. But then Jesus comes up to him and tells him to get up and performs a miracle on his behalf. What about the man at the pool at Bethesda? There's a pool that everybody's trying to get into. He wants to be healed. Jesus shows up one day. The man says, Jesus, I can't get into the pool. All I can do is sit here and in a moment, Jesus heals him. God does great things for those who are willing to sit down and let him work. And I think it's worth mentioning where he tells them to sit do you realize how much grass would have had to be there to hold all these people how much how big now I know they're not social distancing I know they're not six feet apart but still can you imagine how much space would have been needed to hold 15,000 people and they didn't have a microphone, and they wanted to hear Jesus, so you know they're close. There would have had to be a lot of room. But here's the really cool, cool thing, and that's, this is why I think I had to mention that. Because God had already prepared the place for them to receive what they needed, and they had no idea they were standing in it. You may be standing, you may be sitting in the very place that God is going to use to bless you. But what we often do 
is in those moments where we can't figure it out and we're tired of waiting is we get frantic. And so we start running around like our head's on fire thinking that we have to change something in order for God to do something for us. And so we change jobs, change boyfriends, girlfriends, change spouses, change geographic location, change churches. And it's all because we're waiting when sometimes the reason we're waiting is because God is preparing us and we are literally sitting in the place that's supposed to be our blessing, but we're too busy moving around trying to make something happen on our own time. He tells them, sit down. And the place that they were sitting was the place that God was about to blow their mind. So they sit in the grass and then Jesus gives thanks and begins to do this miracle. And notice that the miracle happens in the hands of Jesus, not the hands of the disciples. The food is multiplied in the hands of Jesus, not in the hands of disciples. And I think this is key for some of us who are waiting today because you've been trying to do it yourself, you haven't given it to God, you haven't trusted God, you're still trying to do it all by yourself because you're thinking there's something you haven't done and it's time for you to leave it in his hands. To sit down, hold on, to think I've done all I can, God, it's your turn. Which leads me to a question, more of maybe a question that I have in my mind when I'm struggling through, okay, when do I trust God and when do I know what to do? Do you ever struggle with, well, where does my part end and where does God's part begin? As I was preparing this, I wanted to answer that question and, and, here, and here's what I got. My part ends where my knowledge ends. In other words, when I'm waiting on God and I'm trying to figure out what do I need to do about it, I can, I can apply for a job. I can work hard. I can be forgiving. I can offer an apology. I can check my own heart to be sure there's nothing in there that's keeping me from whatever the situation is that I wanna be out of. But you know what I can't do? I can't know their heart. I can't know what's gonna happen five years from now. I can't know if they're gonna call me back. I can't know if, if, if that person is going to look at my application. I, I can't know their heart. I can't know if they really are going to forgive me. And so what I have to do in this tension of where does my part end and God part, God's part begins is what I have to do is I have to do everything I know to do and then trust God with the rest. My part ends where my knowledge ends. All this boy could do was give his Lunchable to Jesus and trust that Jesus was going to do something with it. That's all the disciples could do, is give what they had and trust that Jesus was going to do the rest. So the amazing conclusion to the story, with some rain as my backdrop, <laughs> I'm, just pretend like they're symbols and we're building a dramatic moment. Are y'all ready? Verse 12 says, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Notice after sitting down and leaving it in the hands of Jesus, they got more than they could have ever hoped for. 
So as you wait for God today, as you're trying to trust him, as you're trying not to impede his progress, as you're trying to pass the test that he has sent you, as you're trying to feel good about leaving it in his hands, as you're wondering what's next, maybe the best thing you can do is sit down, hold on, and see what God does with it. Sometimes that's the answer, isn't it? I don't know anymore to do. I don't know what else to pray. Sometimes I just need to sit down, hold on, and put it in the hands of my Savior and say, God, I know you have a plan. I'm waiting on you to say when. Sit down. Hold on. Because he hasn't left you. He's not trying to formulate a plan. He's not confused. He's not late. He's not ignoring you. He isn't trying to make you miserable. He is working on you. He is working on the next place. Sit down, hold on, and trust your God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's people in the room this morning, and you don't have a relationship with this same Jesus who is still a wonder worker, miracle maker, who can give you peace in the storm, and yes, peace even while you wait. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning and you feel like he is knocking on the door of your heart, maybe it's just a feeling in the pit of your stomach and it just feels different, that's Holy Spirit and he's telling you, will you please invite me in? If you want to accept Jesus this morning, you can make this confession. It's a confession It's not a magic prayer. You can say it out loud. You can say it to yourself. We don't care. Whatever makes you feel best. But just say, Jesus, I surrender. I give up. I don't know what's next. I don't know what you're doing. But right now, I want to trust you. I know that I've messed things up. I know that apart from you, I'm not good. I've sinned, but I believe that you lived a perfect life, that you died on a cross, and that you rose from the dead. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. So I ask you to come into my life. I give you control of my life. My life is no longer my own. In Jesus' name. Amen. The postcard in your seat, if you haven't already colored on it, is a place for your response to today's message. What I want you to do is I want you to take that postcard as we sing this song, and I want you to write on the left side of it something that you're waiting on God for. It could be big. It could be something really, really small. Maybe you just write a message to God and say, God, I'm waiting on you to do this, but today I trust you. Write that message, and then if you feel comfortable with it, write your address on the other side. There's going to be a mailbox in the lobby on your way out today, a huge honking mailbox. You can't miss it. And if you want If you want us to, we'll take the postcards that are in that mailbox and we're going to mail them to you in a few weeks. 
just as a reminder that you're either still sitting and holding on or God has already delivered. So take a few moments as they start this song. After you get done with that, you're welcome to stand up and, and join us. But what are you waiting on God for? What are you asking Him to do this morning? Because He is faithful. Sit down, hold on, and watch what He can do.